Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome to the Monday, Juneteenth edition of the PFF Forecast. It's the day after the U.S. Open. We usually record on Sunday evening. We are doing Monday uh, special after the U.S. Open um, and we're going to talk about it. We're going to break it down. We're going to talk about the bets landed. Um, how many uh, Wyndham's rewards points uh, do we all have? I'm going to give a, I'm now an official Wyndham Clark. I feel like I was, you know, I started the bandwagon. Um, so we're going to talk about that. We're going to hit a little bit of the D hop uh, stuff with the Patriots. And we're going to close out with a little conversation about the sun's trade and whether it has any prayer in hell of happening. Let's rock. Brad, um, we talked about Wyndham Clark before uh, the tournament went off. As I mentioned, I picked him in our tournament uh, together. I picked him in the fifth round. Um, and I was kind of poking a little bit of fun, I would say. I did wasn't super happy with my team. I didn't like that I got the third pick. I really wanted either the first or second or the back end um, of the round. It obviously worked out for me. I now have had to change all of my loyalty. I used to be a Marriott guy. And now I'm going to have to be a Wyndham Resorts, hotel and resorts guy. That's just the fact. Good night. Good, goodbye to the Bonvoy points. You're all in on the Wyndham two-night stay, Clark. Uh, I mean, what branding? Right? You know, He's not even a brand. He just has a name, and that's just the beauty of the situation. Uh, no, Nobody wins more than a continental breakfast at, at the Wyndham, uh, Wyndham Best Western Resort. So I looked. I was like, this has to be an opportunity for them, right? And their Twitter was like dead silent. I didn't see them anywhere on, on social media. What a, I mean, are they even a company anymore? Like what a complete nightmare for them um, to not yeah. capitalize on this opportunity. Because the other thing, which was really cool, and there's probably a lot of uh, different issues that, that were had with the US Open. But the one thing that you cannot argue with is that it was at least a guy that won with a cool story, some personality, like all of those things were great. You know, thank God it was him instead of Roy McElroy because like the narrative, it was just so much more enjoyable than it would have been to, to listen to these guys kind of opine about, about Rory. But um, I, I want to hear like, how, how did kind of your bets land? Um, and, and what were some of your big takeaways from, from the tournament, especially looking ahead to the British Open? Yeah, of course. So yeah, at first on the, on the winner, I will say like, sometimes I think we get a backlash to when one of the non premier names wins, but 
it wasn't that he won because other guys played poorly throughout the entire weekend. Obviously, Sunday was a bit anticlimactic, but I saw there was a, there was a tweet. He didn't miss a fairway or a green. I think it was like he missed like two the entire weekend, like some absurd stat. So it's like it's because Wyndham Clark played very, very well that he won this tournament, has been playing good golf, had a win earlier this season. My takeaways are, and you know, sometimes you think you can fall in the trap of the very good players that come out on Sunday, they shoot five, six under, like your guy John Rahm, who also, you know, did probably help you win our pool uh with, yeah. with a nice Sunday. But for me, and he gets lost in the live shuffle, but when we're going to a course overseas for the British Open where it's obviously a different landscape, a completely different setup than the U.S. Open. Um, you know, I think Cameron Smith from Australia is just the best iron player in the world right now. And I think he just it just consistently shows up where he just, even if the driver's not working for him on a Lynx-type course, you can kind of just spray it and just hope you avoid a pot bunker, but otherwise you're probably going to have a decent shot in. And I just trust him more from 250 in right now. I trust him more than any player in the world. A second thought I had, and it was a general thought, but I thought it was very interesting, was I forget who the announcer was. Maybe it was a friend of the show, Brandel Shambly, uh, who was talking about this. But he was discussing how a lot of Japanese players don't do well at the the PGA and the U.S. Open. And and the rationale simply was they don't make courses like this in in a smaller island that doesn't have the land to have 7,500-yard courses with these massive, you know, layouts that just, it's not something the country does, but for precision players with narrow fairways, with guys that need to, you know, be, be attacking flags, not putting on the green to lag up. Like that's where a lot of the best players from the Asian tour and Japan specifically show up. I think some of those players, Tom Kim, Siwoo Kim, Sung Jm like they've all been consistently competitive in these majors and it's not even their style of play. I'd probably look at them for, for next, uh, the next major as well. Cameron Smith was uh, my big kind of winner as well. Um, his, I mean, his putting is rock solid. I wanted to give you this kind of question here because the other takeaway I had was, and I feel like this is a broken record at this point, but I can't believe that Scotty Scheffler makes such good contact with the golf ball, um, given what his swing looks like. And I can't believe that given what his swing looks like, he's that bad of a putter. Like no one... It makes sense that Rory McIlroy, like if Rory McIlroy had me putting, I feel like we win the tournament. I got to be honest with you. That was like painfully bad, right? And I'm not going to like crap all over Rory, but like so expected, right? The dude is so, so good tee to green. And then just, I mean, I guess he was decent approach. He hit every green. I don't think he got super aggressive, which is a whole nother mental issue. But if you combine Scotty Scheffler's like ball striking and cam smith's putting that's the best player in the world by like a long margin like is there any better combination like maybe you combine rory and cameron smith but i actually like i think scheffler's kind of approach um and his iron play i would take over rory you know i think you have it on the head it's funny it's like those those quarterback like mashups like tom brady's yeah, yeah. line with like josh allen yeah but um, no, I think you nailed it because, look, obviously you make the argument Rory off the tee because uh, he drove the ball 380 yards multiple times this weekend. But Scotty's obviously not short off the tee. And then, yeah, like he attacks flags. I mean, he's going to plant a couple of pro shots four feet from the hole for tap-in birdies because, like you said, he's not putting either, but he's still scoring better. Obviously not this weekend, but because he always is going to have a handful of tap-in birdies because his approach game is just absurd. 
I mean, I'm half kidding, but I think my wedge game from 100 yards and in this weekend in Carolina was rivaling Rory McIlroy. I didn't make a single putt the entire time, but like, yeah, I, I can get I, you can get on the green from 100 yards out and give yourself a 15 footer, but he can't make any of those like like we all can't, and, and pros can't. Yeah, it, it's a really good point. Um, the, the I mean, I guess one one question is how much how much of a of a part of the narrative do you think that Wyndham Clark is actually going to be? And I mean, he played amazingly well. I thought if you would put a highlight reel together of his up and downs and you like put Tiger Woods highlight reel of up and downs together, like I mean, Tiger's is better, but like if you like in one single tournament, that might've been some of the best short game play I've ever seen. Um, the up and down that he had on Friday where, I mean, he hit two shots this weekend that you are like scared to try on the practice screen, right? Full out, full swing flop shots. Paul Azinger, who I thought was mediocre at best on the call said that he called them, uh, what do you call them? Like trick shots or something, which I think is like the oldest phrase, you know, how could you sound more old and, and raggedy or whatever? But, um, uh, it was incredible. He got those up and down. He got up and down after hitting a ball further into a bush on his first attempt. And then I was like, there's no way he gets this out. He got it out, got up and down there. He hit that chip. Uh, I forget, was it on on 12 maybe, where he actually played it like behind the hole. Azinger was like, there's no way this gets close. It rolled to like six feet. And he made that putt. His putting was so solid um, all week. And so... I don't think he's accurate enough off the tee. That still is a worrisome piece for me. Um, and I just don't think that that up and down around the green stuff is going to be that consistent. So I, I'm i going to actually wait and see on, on Wyndham Clark. I love the story. I think, you know, everything about his kind of mental makeup is impressive because everyone else melted down. Rory, if you don't want to call what Rory had a meltdown, then I don't know what planet you're living on. The dude was hitting the ball as pure as you possibly can off the tee, hit every green and literally psyched himself out because he couldn't make a putt uh, and couldn't go after a pin. Ricky Fowler melted down and, and Scotty Scheffler, I thought played, you know, pretty, he was not really in the picture for, for a long time there. So he was like the only guy when Clark was that kept it together mentally and it could have fallen off, right? There were multiple times where it could have fallen apart. That five wood, I think that he hit, uh, was it on 14 was an abs the par five was mm-hmm. an absolutely incredible shot right after giving a couple back he stripes it down um and and is able to two putt for birdie but i'm gonna wait and see on Wyndham clark where do you stand on him yeah no so the big thing you just touched on people talk about a lot with the, the pga and the us open again which is like you're gonna make some bogeys or maybe even a double but how can you bounce back and frankly our guy Xander Shoffley, who was kind of my favorite to win it, obviously was first round leader um, with Ricky Fowler. I did win a little bit on that, you know, got split in half, but nevertheless, but he blew up too. Our my guy Cam Young actually did kind of make a little bit of a charge. And then I think went triple double uh, on, on two holes and he was just done after that. Like his Clark Lisa, his recovery, his avoiding some of those holes was probably the difference. But yeah, the Scotty thing too, like. We woke up that morning. He was at seven. Basically, the, the final scores were their scores going into the day. I want to say, yeah, Ricky, mm-hmm. yeah, Wyndham, Rory, and, and Scheffler all shot par. And I said, if, I said, if Scheffler gets in the clubhouse at 11, I think he's going to win this tournament. And, and yeah, he just he just didn't have it. It's It's been surprising. I wouldn't call it choking. He just, 
Yeah, he hasn't had one of those like put the fear of God in your opponent type Sundays, and he is that caliber player. Um, we need to see that of him though. Yeah, the only guy that came out on the front nine and did anything was was Wooden Clark. <laughs> you know, yeah, he, he yeah. was the only person that, that uh, put the gas pedal down. So I thought it was really, really cool um, and awesome to see him win. Let's let's move ahead to the British Open. You mentioned Cam Smith. I think he's 20 to 1 to open. Now, he's obviously a defending champion there. So I think there will be a fair number uh, of bets placed on him by the time that we get there. But I I would um, and I will be placing a, a, a little wager on him at 20 to 1. The, the favorite is Rory McIlroy, hilariously. Now, he did win at Royal Hoylake um, what feels like 40 years ago. So maybe he, you know, has a has a resurrection here. John Rahm is 10 to 1. Scotty Scheffler, 10 to 1. Brooks is 12 to 1. Jordan Spieth and Cameron Smith at 20 to 1. Sander, 22. Justin Thomas somehow is at 25 to 1, despite the fact that he didn't break 80 on day two. Colin Morikawa, Victor Hovland, also 25. Shane Lowry, Cantlay at 28. Uh, Fitzpatrick, DJ, and Fleetwood, along with Terrell Hatton at 33. Finau, Homa, Cam Young, Justin Rose at at 40. Tom Kim at 45 to one. Hideki 50 to one. Um, so, where what are some of the um, early British Open bets that you like? Yeah. So first, I think some guys we've been betting recently. Uh, I'm just kind of avoiding this point. Patrick Cantlay just does not show up for majors. Uh, maybe that's a narrative. Maybe that's a dumb thing to say. But like. Yeah, he'll finish top 25, but he just doesn't, he just does not threaten these big tournaments. He has the game to do it, but just doesn't seem to put it together. Um, I do like Tommy Fleetwood, another guy that had a great Sunday. Uh, maybe you know, finished higher than maybe he it was representative of the entire four days. But again, a good iron player that right now I think is, is putting the ball pretty well and it's going to matter in, in this environment. He's one that I think is interesting at 30 to 1. Um, Hideki, yeah, 50 to 1 Hideki. I think his ball striking was great. He had a blow up or two. On the back nine, the early back nine on Sunday that kind of just threw him out of the tournament. Um, one more or two that we've been betting, and and, and again, maybe needs to break through in, in another major, but the Shambo's recovery on I think it was 15, where he drove the ball like across the other tee box and then hit the an absolute moonshot. I don't know if you saw this, like over a tee box onto the green he was on, and then hit like a 12-foot putt for Birdie. It was one, it was like a ridiculous um up and down. But I, I think he's playing confidently, and I also think he's just like not really thinking about non-golf things at this point. He's back to just caring about golf. Um, and, and he's kind of been consistently showing up for these tournaments. So a couple of those guys make sense. Uh, and then, yeah, like you mentioned, I, I get that Cam Smith probably will be maybe by first tee, the prohibitive favorite, but uh, I think it will be warranted uh, given how he's playing right now. Yeah, I, I don't think, I, I do think that that Rory will remain the favorite. I mean, look, his ball striking statistics are going to be absolutely amazing. Um, and I think that will continue to to keep him up there at the top. Um, let me let me throw a, a couple others um, that that I really like out there. You mentioned Fleetwood. I think he's a. I bet him you know to win. I bet him top five, uh, top ten as well. So ended up you know making some uh, some money there. And I like you know his form. Obviously heading out into um, a major that is across the pond. Now he's never won in the U.S. Has won a bunch on the DP World Tour. Um, the European tour. So I think some good vibes for him. You mentioned players going back across um, Cam Young at 40 to one. You remember last year um, he was right there in the mix. I think it really favors his ability to just pound the ball is also a great ball striker. Um, you mentioned DeChambeau. He's at 60 to one. Um, I do like that price as well. Um, getting like way down there now uh Wyndham Clark went off at about 90 to one I think opened around 115 or or um 100 to one 
Um, Phil Mickelson is at 100 to 1. He didn't make the cut. I think you'll see people kind of quickly hop, hop off the Phil Mickelson train. I'm not going to do that. I think reading too much into this U.S. Open is very incorrect. It's a super wonky course. It was a super weird setup, very non-traditional kind of major uh, play there. So um, I get back on on board with him uh, as well. Um, I thought DJ, it was interesting. He faded late, but I thought Dustin Johnson played minus like like 10 total holes better than anyone else. Um, and so, you know, I think is one to to watch as well. And he's at 33 to one. I think that's spot on. He even talked about how recovering from his back injury, he just feels way better now. And the last couple of majors, yeah, he hasn't put four good rounds together. But when he does, he's arguably better than anybody else still in golf. If he plays four good rounds in a row, I'd put him up against anybody. Uh, so that's a good shout. And then, yeah, the long shot I forgot to mention, too, was, was Siwoo Kim is 100 to 1 on DraftKings, who I like as well. So, um, but yeah, DJ is one of those where it's like the way you talked about Brooks uh, in, in the first couple of majors – Getting DJ at 33 to 1 price, even given his performance in the last couple of big tournaments, is probably a misprice. Um, or throw a top five or top ten in on him at plus money. Um, and you're probably getting a good bet there. Yeah. Um, by the way, the, the British Open is not the next tournament, in case anyone is wondering. It's a few months away, or not a few months, a few weeks away. It is next month, correct? Um, do you have the the dates in front of you? It's also on NBC. So the question that I have is are we gonna get more of Paul Azinger, the zinger. I can't, I don't know what your take was. I don't want to hear what you thought about his commentary if you listened to it at all. But has there ever been a name, nickname, zinger, that fit less with the way <laughs> the person commentated than it did for Paul Azinger? I, I swear to God, like, I don't understand what it is with the, like, inability to show any kind of emotion or energy. And it felt like he was just so negative about so many um so many shots like every shot was just a terrible shot um yeah. but I, what was your take on him yeah so first quickly the british opens in exactly a month it's july uh like 19th 23rd i think are the dates um yes the opposite of a zinger how does he fit there are all these complaints about the la country club how they basically tried to refuse any public attendance and tried to buy every ticket just for members of the club and that's why it was quiet you got like matt, matt fitzpatrick when matt fitzpatrick tells you you're boring and have a bad environment, you're probably pretty boring because that guy doesn't seem like the most energetic ball of fun uh, on planet Earth. And I think that that's the only reason why the Zinger fit this tournament because it was a boring overall malaise type of environment. But yeah, golf needs, to, they're, they're getting the right direction. They need to figure it out. Like you don't need to be screaming and like, you know, have people throwing beers on the course, but you can find a middle ground to where you can get the casual fan more engaged uh, in, in these big tournaments. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Um, all right, before we move on to the next uh, piece of content here, which will be DeAndre Hopkins and the uh, the New England Patriots, uh, I want to tell you guys quickly about um, using P uh, promo code FORECAST, F-O-R-E-C-A-S-T. Get yourself a PFF Plus subscription for 25% off with that promo code. Go use it right now on pff.com and PFF app. It is where you will get all of our unlocked content, all of our betting tools, all of our fantasy tools as well and you will not want to miss that so you want to grab that now um uh trust me i promise you you will want to get it now before it is too late and get that promo code as well get it for the whole year and get yourself draft and free agency content uh to boot um also if you are looking to try and figure out some way to stay engaged in football during the off season may i interest you in a little best ball um DraftKings now has one of the best best ball setups that you can find 
Best ball on DraftKings is be- bigger and better than ever. $10 million in guaranteed cash prizes are up for grabs. Join DraftKings' biggest best ball contest today. Get your first entry back in the DraftKings dollars as soon as the draft is finished. Enter DraftKings Best Ball Millionaire Contest and snake draft your team for the season. Remember, the cool thing about Best Ball, you don't have to manage your team. Uh, it's fantastic. So you can just go ahead and play, draft the players, and then let the, the season play out and see how you do. Um, so it's phenomenal. Teams with the most points at the end of the season will have a shot to take home a $1 million top prize. Go download the DraftKings app and sign up with promo code PFF. Join DraftKings $10 million best ball tournament and get your first entry back with promo code PFF on DraftKings. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. One per customer. Opt-in required with $10 entry fee. Bonus issued as 10 DK dollars. Age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. See DraftKings.com slash promotions for details. All right. DeAndre Hopkins. Let's spend a few minutes on this. Um, this is what we're at. Where we're at, Brad. We're at the point in the season, uh, the offseason, where we are talking about whether... Um, whether GMs known as players are able to recruit actively other players and get them to, to join their team. Totally new. I've never seen this before. I don't know where this is coming from. Um, really brand new content here. Thanks to Matt Judon and the New England Patriots. Um, what, what do you make of the situation you think gets done? You know, at a certain point, I do. I, I was always confused by this entire storyline just because I didn't know what the relationship was like between Bill O'Brien and DeAndre Hopkins. But if you were trying to identify your rosters that probably needed his services more than anybody else and that it made sense from a, hey, we have a rookie contract quarterback and, and honestly a cheap roster overall, they're bottom five, I think, in cash spending um, in the entire league, like who it made sense, it probably is them. I think it goes a long way in helping. You know, you bump down Devontae Parker, you bump down Tyquan Thornton, um, the rest of the guy, Juju Smith-Schuster, who sounds like his knee is bothering him a little bit already again. Uh, oh, no. So, yeah, yeah. So so it, it does make sense, and there's no question. I think they'll use him effectively. I think we'll see him a lot in the slot. We'll see him in, you know, the, their red area performance last year was pretty poor as well, and I think that's where Hopkins can make probably the biggest impact is just, hey, Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith and Devontae Parker weren't doing as much as we thought they would. Um, you know, in, in third down and, and red zone situations, you bring in Hopkins and kind of see if you can rectify that. So I kind of do. I mean, Judon, look, to his credit, shoot or shoot, he's not he's he's been actively pursuing a lot of players. Um, has not been super successful in his GM endeavors the last couple off seasons, but he seems pretty confident in this one. Uh, and I'm thinking he wouldn't be as confident uh based on his past history of kind of striking out with some top guys. Shoot or shoot. That is a good point. If Bill Belichick can convince DeAndre Hopkins to reunite with Bill O'Brien and catch passes for Mac Jones. He is a wizard, an absolute wizard. I think Mac Jones has got to be the one rooting for this more than anyone else. Because to your point, you look at that receiving core, you see that Juju's already got um, TikTok knee and you're in, you know, you're in a, a world of hurt there. They do not have a good offensive supporting cast. I mean, you th- we talked about this with CJ Stroud and, and part of our thesis on kind of betting some unders there and some, some tail events for um, the Houston Texans is that, you know, he played in Ohio state at Ohio state with some of the best receivers on the planet. Mac Jones did the same thing, right? Played um, with the best receivers on the planet. It was Bryce young that didn't get the benefit of playing with those receivers. And then you go to new England and I mean, even Tom Brady couldn't overcome the, the fact that those receivers couldn't get open. So you think Mac Jones is going to um, now the interesting thing is that Downer Hopkins has not been getting open nearly as, as kind of frequently as some of the other top tier receivers. He's not as much of a separator. But it's all relative. And, you know, he also has great hands. So you at least put him in a position to to catch some passes. 
uh, over kind of the replacement options in, in, in New England. I think this is a big thing for, I think the Patriots need to get this done. I think if they don't get this done, this is going to be a rough season potentially for, for Mac Jones. Like I could very much see uh, the Patriots supposedly made a trade offer for Aaron Rodgers, right. That, that got rejected. Is that, can you confirm that? Is that true? I haven't personally confirmed it, but I, I tend to believe it, to be honest. Uh, I mean, I don't see why they wouldn't at least have the conversation. Yeah. So I think it spells, you know, this is a, this is a huge one for, um, for Mac Jones. I mean, it's interesting though, from Hopkins standpoint, I would see him going to new England as a sign that, that like no other teams were really interested because I see this as a very unattractive spot for Deandre Hopkins, a team that is worse than, I mean, he's going for a team that's worse than the division to a team that's worse than the division um, in the new England Patriots and uh, playing with a quarterback that, I mean, where would you say Mac Jones falls between 20 and 25? Below a healthy Kyler Murray, that's for sure. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's interesting. He's, he's below. He's below a high school Caleb Williams. Correct. Yes, he is. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Yeah, no, it, it, it's interesting because I also agree with your point that they need to get it done. Even though at the same time, I will say it's not going to make my opinion of them like dramatically change no. at all. But I still think they just should do it if you're trying to keep up in this AFC East. And also, if you are going to say, okay, either Mac Jones is going to take a step, and we're going to say, okay, you know what? With some better weapons, he showed that he can maybe be a fringe-type guy, or he's not, and you start over, and you're probably not going to be bad enough to get Caleb Williams, but you know, maybe get somebody else in, in that range. Give Belichick and be one last try at a top-15 type, you know, type pick player, see what he can do. Um, as for your you know, attractiveness for Hopkins, I do think this is one part of it. It always comes back to, like, at the end of the day, like having a stable organization that has a high floor, like it is going to come back to benefit you a lot of different ways. And so, like, I don't think t players, even still, like they don't view the Patriots the way you and I would have after last year. They would say, oh, the Tom Brady, Bill Belichick Patriots, like, yeah, they had a down year, but like they still could be that, you know, next year. And I don't think we either of us agree with that, but. I think it's much easier for them to be like, you know what? Yeah, get Bill Belichick going, get Bill O'Brien back in the fold, and we can make the playoffs. They're not saying, oh, the Dolphins, Jets, and Bills are clearly better, uh, which they all are. Yeah, no, it's a good point. Um, by the way, when is it time to re uh, to to get some of those draft videos up um, about uh, about that draft class with uh, Justin Fields and uh, Trevor Lawrence and a bunch of scrubs? I, I'm really looking forward to uncovering those this year. Um, because, uh, yeah, it was some, some engaging content. I, I still think I will, um, like the, the Justin Fields or anyone, but Mac Jones syndicate, you know, we can, we can continue to live off of that victory for, for a while. Um, because yeah, I, I think it's looking kind of bleak. I, I don't know that we don't talk a lot about Mac Jones and probably for good reason, but I do think this is, a, is certainly a make it or break it season. I mean, he got benched for Bailey Zappi last year, so, you know, he better be better be rooting for DeAndre Hopkins. I'd be sending Hopkins gifts at this point. Um, I, I'm not sure. Do whatever what it takes. I would, yeah, yeah, I would absolutely do whatever it takes at least because it buys you a job elsewhere. Like someone will take a chance on Mac Jones. So any, any stat, <laughs> any throw to DeAndre Hopkins can go a long way. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, okay. We're going to close out here with uh, some of the Phoenix sun stuff before we get there. Um, if you have not already joined the PFF printing press discord, uh, you're missing out. Join over a thousand members of the printing press discord 
and come enjoy a great community of people that love to bet, bet on anything, by the way. Um, so if you are looking to stay engaged, this off season is probably the best place to do it. We're going to talk golf. We're going to talk WNBA. Ben Brown is posting his picks in there. Judah's talking baseball. Um, we've got people betting on uh, the Oscars in there and, and cashing bets, by the way, I should, I should mention. Um, so it's a great community. Go uh, get involved there. It's completely free. Um, I would argue, like I've actually told people about it and they've gone, how much does it cost? And I've just said, no, it's free. So uh, people can't really believe it, but it is. So um, go enjoy it. Uh, the link is in the description and also we'll tweet it out uh, as well. So you can go get it there. Um, if you are looking for something that's not free, but is certainly worth your money, especially with the summer heat coming your way, I would go check out Manscaped. I just got my new Manscaped, Manscaped kit. And let me tell you that um, if you haven't if you haven't already heard, it's uh, it's smooth sack summer, and you want to make sure that you're uh, that you're you're grooving um, with the smooth sack. So I can't believe I'm saying this. This, this read is absolutely unbelievable. But uh, dive headfirst into um, a fantastic feeling summer with Manscaped. The Performance Package 4.0 has everything you need to prepare uh, for your summer. Bod Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer features cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accents. Thanks to their advanced skin safe technology, I can attest to this. Also, has great battery life and a little flashlight um, to make sure that you are uh, staying safe. Um, the other thing I'll mention is I just got the like beard trimmer, and that is a really good product. They've improved that tremendously. Um, I've been using it now, and uh, comes with a lot of extra stuff as well. So I would definitely check that out. Use promo code PFF and get yourself a little twenty percent off at Manscaped.com. PFF manscape.com go make it happen is that the the best read that you've heard in a while i thought you were ad living smooth sack summer i actually gonna give you some props no. for the for the alliteration there but that was all that <laughs> no that's all that's all that i i hesitated on saying it because i was like can i actually say this this is unreal. yeah right yeah um but uh i will say that the i, I don't know if you have, have used it but their products are are solid um i've been using it for quite some time. And, um, yeah, I would legitimately like buy the product if I were not sent it. That's just me. All right. The Suns traded, uh, basically like everything they had left Chris Paul, um, bunch of picks that they, <laughs> that they hadn't already traded for Kevin Durant for Bradley Beal. So their team now consists of Cameron Payne, Kevin Booker, Kevin Durant, Bradley Beal, and Deandre Ayton. Like, I'm not even joking. Like that is who they have under contract. And so I'm curious, Brad, we've seen this move happen before. Give me the odds. What are the odds that this works out? And by workout, I think we have to, to stipulate what that means. I think this works out. I think if they just make it to multiple finals or win a single world championship, it works out. What are the chances it works out? I think that's fair. Uh, you had some Jock Landale erasure in there, uh, which, mm. which is tough to hear, tough to hear. But anyway... Yeah. Uh, if, if he's still there, who knows? Uh, I think it is a fair caveat. I was going to say, yeah, make multiple or win one is is perfect. We talked about this pre-show, and I do think the NBA is interesting where, especially we saw it this season, the regular season and the playoffs can to a degree. Obviously, the Nuggets were the best team in both, um, but they can be different sports. They can be different entirely in many different ways. You can make trades at the deadline and do things to dramatically reshape your roster, and you're going to shrink to a seven-man rotation come playoff time anyway. So, yes, you want depth. Yes, you need depth. The Nuggets having 
Christian Brown and, and their ninth and tenth plus player being meaningfully mm-hmm. impactful additions is probably why they are you know coming off a Larry O'Brien Trophy. But so anyway, I put the odds at like five percent. But if you get a healthy trio of Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, Bradley Beal, and if DeAndre Ayton can just like get out of his own head and just be a honestly be a rim protector and a, and a floor runner and just have like six dunks a game and a couple blocks a game. That quattro, a healthy quartet of those players in the playoffs, like they're going to have some games where they drop a, a, an efficient 120 and no one can beat them. It's just like we talked about. Can those guys play 45 minutes a game all in their, you know, or, you know, in their in their mid 30s for Durant and Beal? Uh, I, I don't know about that. Just thinking about playing one 40 minute game has me a little yeah. concerned about, uh, about those two guys. I mean, I think Devin Booker is probably going to end up playing a bunch of point guard. Um, I don't think they want to move Aiden. You know, that doesn't seem to be the case. Frank Vogel has had success with big guys in the past. I think um, Zach Lowe was mentioning that on, on his podcast. And he has also had success dealing with these, you know, kind of super teams, right? He, he went in with LeBron and AD and, got a lot out of them and that entire team. That team played great defense, which is something that the Phoenix Suns need to do <laughs> because they got, you know, kind of ram uh, ramshackled by the uh, by the Denver Nuggets. Um, I would say there's, a, I'm going to give it 20% to work. Well, 15. Here's, here's the difference. I think everyone is certainly looking back and saying, this reminds me of when KD put together that team in Brooklyn. I believe that, Bradley Beal is less washed than James Harden. And there is a big difference between Devin Booker and Kyrie Irving in that I'm pretty confident Devin Booker is going to be on the court. And the biggest thing that we're going to talk about with Devin Booker is his game as opposed to not playing games, which was kind of the deal with with Kyrie. Um, The big, I think, unknown here is KD's kind of sustainability. Because when he's on the court, he was amazing. I think he was, what, 50, 40, 90? Yeah. 50, 50, or something absurd like that um, this year. And uh, But he but he played, you know, he missed a ton of games. If he misses a ton of games, this team is replacing him with something really bad. And so that's how you end up having, like, Devin Booker have to expend a ton of energy to make the playoffs. And by the time they get to the playoffs, they have no depth and they've got injuries and and it's just a complete disaster. It takes a lot of kind of resilience to make it through the playoffs. I think that's the thing that people overlook when they when they see these super teams is it does take that ability to kind of um, you know push past some of those challenges during the playoff run. Where a team like the Denver Nuggets is so good with that because you know they've got so much depth that you mentioned and then Jokic is just a rock like you're not going to injure Jokic and what would it take to injure Jokic you need like a, a machete or something or like a tranquilizer horses you... yeah one of his horses yeah. bucking him off in in Serbia that that's that's yeah. his only his kryptonite at this point no it's a good point though he doesn't get bucked off by horses uh Brad he bucks them himself okay yeah. the horse yeah. that bucks him off gets injured that's the that, that's what happens <laughs> Like yeah, his horses have lower back problems for sure. It's it's a tough, tough combo. No, I think it, you actually did touch on two key points that I love there. So if I'm not mistaken, I think Vogel had a big hand in kind of developing Miles Turner and in Indy before he got fired and, and moved on and like kind of had a career revival where Turner was an exciting, fun rookie. Then kind of the league figured him out. He kind of had to transition his game a little bit, be a different player. Maybe you can do that with Aiton. And the second piece is, and I'm not, we're not like joking, like, 
yeah, like Bradley Beal's been in Washington and hasn't caused a fuss. And Booker, like, like yeah, the, the, I think there are honestly three dudes that just live and breathe basketball and don't really care about much else. And like that is going to mm-hmm. matter. Um, it it does matter. James Harden only cares about basketball. I don't know what you're talking about, dude. James Harden showing up on time to the game is a miracle every time it happens. Like you know, someone in the in like the front office is like, oh, thanks. Like James is here. Like we we can play tonight. Like thank the Lord. There has to be like a person that's just dedicated to making sure that like James Harden makes it to the arena. I'm telling you, there is probably a staffer whose main role is just to make sure James Harden is there an hour before tip and has like a toothbrush yep. and like some deodorant and like yes. Yeah. And that guy's whoever that person is, they're paid more than like WNBA players are paid. The highest WNBA players are paid. Probably they might get more but, than the WNBA team in salaries. But they probably still work pretty darn hard. Like it's not they yeah, probably they, oh, they that work much, hard. but they probably do. <laughs> it's a seven. I mean, I, I'm sure there are perks that, that come with it, but it's like a seven day a week situation. Twenty four seven operation for sure. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, I think it's a good point, right? All three of those guys are just are just hoopers. Um, so it'll be interesting. The West is becoming like better and better by the moment, and the East kind of thinner and thinner. Uh, we might see Dame Lillard go to Miami. I think that makes more sense for him now. I mean, it's just increasingly more and more sense. Like I just don't know where where he's going to go in the West. That that's going to kind of make it make it work. Um, the only thing that I'm still kind of intrigued by is whether the Warriors are going to hit the reset button and what that means for Clay Thompson and Draymond Green. And if they're s- pressing the reset button, you know, is there a is there a Dame staff combination that I kind of just want to see from a guilty pleasure perspective? Because can you imagine the floor spacing with Dame Willard and Steph Curry? I mean, that would be absolutely amazing. You literally need to guard baseline to half court line on every possession. Yeah. Otherwise, you're at risk. Yeah. So Draymond opted out of his deal. Uh, I think it was $27.5 million for next year. He opted out of. I don't know. If I'm them, I think Clay, Draymond are gone. And I'm probably like shopping Jordan Poole. Or maybe I guess if I guess once Draymond leaves, maybe then Jordan Poole can kind of settle in and, and recalibrate. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I would say, all right, let's just take Steph and just hit everything else reset. Lillard had a comment how the, the Heat losing the finals makes it more likely he'll go there. So I imagine he would like refuse to go to the Warriors. Um, but that would be, mm-hmm. I mean, that's like, that's what you dream about. Like that's a legit like NBA jam duo that just, you don't even need to rebound or, or play defense. Just put up bombs the entire time. Yeah. I remember when the, the Warriors lost, uh, blew a three, one lead and that enabled Kevin Durant to, to go there. Um, yeah, similar, <laughs> similar situation. I would love to see Dame Lillard in, in Miami. I think that would be a lot of fun. That team would be cool to watch. They have a lot of guys that can pull it from pretty far, obviously with hero who didn't play in, in the finals, you have Duncan Robinson. Um, and I think it's clear as you watch that team in the finals that you need, I, I just keep coming back to this, like Jimmy Butler's lack of aggression. If he was injured, if he was so injured that he couldn't drive to the basket, like he would get to, he was healthy enough to get to the, the, you know, the paint and then couldn't go up to finish in any way, shape or form. Then you need a, another person that can, that can handle the ball in crunch time. And I think that could be uh Dame Lillard. All right. We fit three sports. I think that's pretty good for uh, a middle of June PFF forecast. We'll be back with you on Wednesday evening. Um, I keep promising that we are going to do uh, division previews. 
who knows? Tune in to see if it happens. We have people in the Discord wondering, when is it going to happen? When is George going to say nice things about every team in the NFL? When are we going to dig into the PFF data to tell you who is going to win and who is going to be uh, the Lions this year? Um, you'll want to tune in to, to see that. So maybe it'll come on Wednesday. You should check us out uh, then and share the podcast. If you enjoyed this, uh, pass it along to uh, a friend who's looking to find some good football and other sports betting content. We greatly appreciate it. We love you all. See you on Wednesday. Peace.